Salt Cravings, a comedy podcast about cravings and stuff. I'm Brianna. And I'm Claire. And we're back today with episode four, the first episode we've recorded since we actually released the podcast. Yeah, it's months now, later. Uh, is it months? Years, maybe. <laughs> it's probably years. It's like we record once annually every yeah. year. <laughs> And just we record like 12 episodes at a time. That That's wouldn't how be we enough. Do. No, it wouldn't be. We record, what's half of 52? <laughs> 26. <laughs> we record 26 episodes at once annually. 26 episodes that are at least an hour of recording each. It's like those marathon like live streams, but it's not a stream. It's just us getting just like livid with each other. Just a train of thoughts and we just don't stop talking for an entire day. It's a it's a train that goes on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> just like all thoughts do. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's exciting to be back. We have more knowledge now of what podcasting is and also have more cravings now. Yeah, so I we've feel built like... up a good amount, a good, like, stockpile. I feel like we've gone from level zero podcasters to level one podcasters now. We're still noobs, but... I think more accurately, we've gone from episode zero podcasters to episode four podcasters, well, which is sort you know. of like level. So there's no level cap on this game, and it just goes forever, and it is one every two weeks. Well, you know, I think, like... This is the most consistent leveling of any game. <laughs> yeah, we, we there's no grinding in this game. You just have to wait. You lock in once every two weeks. <laughs> That's how people level up. You want to get some Salt Cravings levels in there. You can level up your subscription to Salt Cravings. <laughs> By buying our non-existent merch or subscribing to us on iTunes and also Google Play for those of you who have both iPhones and also Android devices for some reason. People just carry around two phones? They should because now they can subscribe to us twice. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to like promote us, that's like <laughs> the best gift of all. That's like a holiday come early. A salt holiday. A salt holiday? A salt day. Mmm, no. <laughs> Speaking of salt days, it's a salt day, and it's a day for you to have cravings. Yeah. You, specifically, Claire. Me specifically. Yeah, I mean, we're recording only, like, two weeks early this time, and... <laughs> yeah, you're, it's about right. And so one of the things that's coming up, actually, in terms of when we're recording this, is Pride. Pride oh, is it is! Up. Yeah. Pride's going to already happen by the time that everyone is listening to Damn. this. But for us of the of yesteryear, the yes, we have Pride to look forward to. And maybe when this is out, we'll have a better idea of what we've looked forward to. <laughs> Hopefully um, still good. Yeah. The other thing about the weird temporality of Pride is for people who are listening who aren't in Vancouver, you're going to be like, but Pride already happened. What yeah. are you talking about? And to that we say, Vancouver hosts Pride at the beginning of August. Yeah. For tourists. Is it for tourists? Oh, yeah. it is for tourists, isn't yeah. it? It's the long weekend. Oh my goodness. It is 100% for tourists. Oh, I'm really excited to, like, be away from tourists. That's my main <laughs> goal with Pride. <laughs> Listen, the tourists don't know about the sort of Pride events we go to. The cool Pride events. Pride the... 2.0. <laughs> Advanced Pride. <laughs> pride 2 Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> no. <laughs> 
But no, I'm excited for Pride 2. You're excited for Pride 2? Wow. <laughs> yeah, for Pride 2. Well, we already had Pride 1, which yeah, was Pride right. Month. Right. You're not wrong. We did We did have Pride Month, which is always a great and fun month. How was your Pride Month? My pride, I don't even know what month that was. Was that June? That was June. That was June. Great. Oh, yeah. I think it, it right, was pretty it was great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was also good, but probably not as good as yours. Yeah, probably not. One of the things that pride always makes me crave, or like one of the things that I crave specifically around pride, it is during dance parties. And specifically during dance parties around Pride, because that's when all the Pride dance parties happen, is being on the dance floor and kissing another queer. Ooh. Yeah. Start us off with that's something sweet. A, that's like a wholesome Add some craving. sugar to our salt. That is such a wholesome craving. Like. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to be on the dance floor and mm-hmm. like dancing with a sweetie. I prefer a sweetie to a stranger. I mean, a stranger could be a sweetie. They could be your sweetie, your temporary sweetie. I love how you said your, like you're directing it at me. We get it, it Claire. Was a... I'm single. <laughs> <laughs> it was more of a universal you. I don't know. The what that's royal called. you? The ro- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Whenever you're right. we talk about you, it is specifically the royal you. It is you and also the listeners, because the listeners are royalty. Yeah. Kind of sweeten them up to get them to subscribe on both iTunes and Google Play. Yeah, you can subscribe on both iTunes and Google Play. <laughs> that's the Google that's the royalty level. That's the yeah. royalty tier of salt cravings. The next level up from that is the guillotine one, so you oh. maybe don't want that one. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, the French Revolution. That was a very good French Revolution. Oh, joke. I see. Okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> have you heard of that event? Yeah, I want to say yes. You want to say yes? I want to or... say yes because I do know of it, but I feel like the humor potential is minimal. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. Um, they did call it the Reign of Terror afterwards. It was pretty awful. It was not the best and brightest moment of so, human history. extraordinarily unrelated to guillotines is dance parties. <laughs> yeah, Just let's bringing get back, it back to the so topic. It is dance parties and like kissing at a dance party but also just dance parties are like a craving mm. and like pride always reminds me of this is there's not a lot of queer dance parties that happen in vancouver no, there isn't. i know this is like in other cities this isn't always really a problem but mm. in vancouver we are in short supply of great dance parties and this is yeah. dance parties that aren't in certain neighborhoods and run by certain people i feel like the people who don't understand the vancouver context are gonna think that you're talking about bad neighborhoods run mm. by like questionable individuals mm. and that is not at all what you mean yeah it's just vancouver is weird in gay ways you know weird in gay ways weird in gay ways of just like pride is like on the august long weekend because of tourists it is that thing but everything it is like there are gay clubs here but a lot of them are more for like straight people and their gay friends right than like for gays queers whatever which by the way is my new name for a dance party it's gays queers whatever (laughs) that's the new dance party that i'm going to organize in vancouver one of my favorite things about gay bars in vancouver is they often have straight nights as if as if every night is not already a straight night there yeah basically (laughs) Uh, there also aren't really gay bars they're gay clubs yeah that's true there's not really like a non-party environment which is like a thing you know i feel also like a gay dance party is very different from like gay clubbing yeah that's true and i think like the specific difference with like a gay dance party is at least in vancouver it is a big deal because they only happen four times a year sometimes Mm. 
Yeah. For whatever reason, they are super uncommon. And like, some of them are like ending. I mean, like, Denim Vest is ending. Denim Vest is going away. It will be done by the time this releases. It is no more. Yeah. So it's gone. It is just words that we say now into the wind. There's no more. I mean, well, Denim Vest has a meaning it is a, nope. an article of clothing as soon as the dance party ends every denim vest in existence will actually just dissolve <laughs> is this the same principle as when you kill the boss and all of the other smaller enemies is all like in yes. the adventure yeah i mean you kill the big boss you win the fight is you you already showed that you have the health and stamina <laughs> You proved it. You passed the test. You leveled up enough. You leveled up enough. And you don't get more XP. Can we level up enough to, like, make Denim Vest not, you know, disappear? Um, I think we'd have to level up financially. I think we would have to level up financially. As we've talked about, iTunes pays you $500 every time you upload an episode. Well, with all of that money, maybe we could sponsor a new queer dance party. Yeah, we could create can... our own queer dance party. What are some of the rules that you would... Okay. Oh, rules maybe aren't the f- most fun. What are sort of the mottos of your how about, dance How about party? themes, right? Themes Let's talk and mottos. Themes, mottos. I actually genuinely like gay, queer, whatever. Gay, queer, whatever. I'm kind of into that. Tell me more. Well, because, like, not everyone wants to have the word queer applied to themselves. Right. Which is super fair. And a lot of people do. And I think that there's a very big difference in marketing something as, like, a gay space versus a queer space. And I think that there's a way to combine those. And then whatever is kind of another way of being like, hey, we know that all of everything is kind of messy and, like, intertwined and stuff. And, like, gender and sexuality are weird. Like, you and I are both super gay. And yet the first episode of this podcast was you talking about how sometimes you crave men, right? There is space that is weird. And I think that that space is something that can come into party spaces in a fun way of, like, you know, these things don't have to be super solid and exact. But I think the idea of gay, queer, whatever, like, it doesn't have to be that exact statement. But that general idea, I think, makes it clear that like this is who this is for and like anyone can come right we're not going to be policing people at the door i don't know what are your thoughts i really like whatever because you have like gay pride and queer pride they are the microscopic terms but Mm. also they are the macroscopic terms exactly and so like having whatever is also like we're not talking about the microscopic gay queer we're talking about the macroscopic gay queer like terminology has changed since previous generations and i hope and support that it'll change with younger generations Mm -hmm. and i mean we have to make room for that i'm absolutely with you there's also the thing of just like whatever but i want to also have the acknowledgement of you know gay and queer in there this is a theme right so how do you well i don't know if that's a theme i think that was more of a a motto motto so tell me more of a a theme theme. what's gay pirates are gay pirates i mean yeah pirates everyone comes with an eye patch and a hook yeah bonus points if they glitter Right? Like a glittery eye patch. That's pretty gay. That is pretty gay. I just think pirate aesthetics are great. You just want swinging off of the deck onto battle. Oh, man. So here's the other bit of this. (laughs) Because in this theoretical dance party, we kind of have whatever money we need to put this on. Yes. We rent a boat. (laughs) Oh, so (laughs) I mean, I guess we're in Vancouver. Yeah. So we have infinite money and we just get a giant boat for this dance party. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So then you actually come as pirates. (laughs) 
I mean, if we're actually coming as pirates, not renting the boat, we're stealing it. <laughs> uh, so just, that sounds so great. We're just actually pirates. So it's really just an event of the first step is everyone gather at this time, uh, and if you're not here, yeah. we're leaving without you because <laughs> yeah. we're stealing a ship. See, that's the problem with this idea is gays no are always one's... late. So there's that issue, but it does allow for the great pirate thing of we steal this boat and do the illegal thing, and then. We party and drink rum. Or whatever. But like, you know. I mean, rum is half off. Rum is half off? Yeah, because it's stolen. I don't know. The theme. It fits the theme. Oh, I like it. I'm feeling it. I I like the theme. Do you have a theme for a queer dance party? I want to know. Better than pirates? I mean, pirates is good, but you know, this is the thing. You can do different ones. My knee-jerk reaction is the (gasps) 2000... Yeah, the 2002 ninjas because pirates and ninjas... Oh, love it. So pirates one month, then ninjas the next month. I mean, ninjas could be a problem. Mm, Ninjas could be a problem. What problem are you thinking of? Well, appropriation. Yeah, that's the big one. Yeah, that that's big one, one big one. You're I thinking, said, wait, did you say ninjas because you were thinking about your MMO? No, I was, I said ninjas because there was this fascination on the internet of like, oh God, pirates, pirates versus ninjas. ninjas. Oh God, there was. Yeah. Which like, what a weird. What a weird time. And a what weird a weird comparison. time. I don't see the relationship there. Like ninjas are a heavily trained infiltration force most of the time and pirates are a ballista. Yeah. In a like clear fight in like broad daylight it's the pirates but if it's not that Mm. it's the ninjas if it's literally anything other than a field in the middle of nowhere we're just contributing to the pirates versus ninjas discord this is yeah shit and by we i mean specifically you because you went into it you brought it up. I did bring it up. So, an actual theme. One of the things that popped into my head was underwater. And maybe mm. it's like one month you're on the ship, and then the other month you, I don't know, sink the ship. No. I really like the idea of dressing up as mermaids and like all oh, those That's really cool. Just like put flowers in our hair. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you would walk around with a mermaid tail, but good luck. I mean, we can bring back a little bit of, what is this, 70s fashion? Where you know how they had like pants. Like disco, like had pants that flared out at the bottom. You have that, but it's just a tail at the bottom oh on like goodness. both legs. You just have two <laughs> tails and it's kind of funky. That'd get really stepped on. Have you seen the pants that I'm talking about? I, okay. The I style think, of I know pants what you're talking I'm talking about. about. I just thought you were extending someone, them. someone like Google disco pants. Disco. They're kind of, I think, the they're classic type. They're just looser type. at your feet. Yeah, they're looser at your feet, but they I look like a tail. I think it's like called a, a boot cut in jeans. Yeah, you know but I don't know it's what called. it's called in, like, disco. Because this isn't jeans. I mean, you could no. have a <gasps> denim mermaid tail. Denim mermaid tail. That'd be pretty cool. So instead of denim vest, we'll just do just denim, denim jeans. Mer- just wear jeans to this dance party. Or you just have, like, an all-denim mermaid. Do you know how, like, the classic Little Mermaid style thing is, like, the clamshell bra and the tail, right? Okay. But what if the clamshells are denim (laughs) and the tail is also denim? (laughs) I really like my underwater idea. I don't don't want it to just be denim. I've ruined it. Yeah. I really want an underwater theme because then you can, like, get some lights going Mm. to make it feel like you're underwater and put up glittery things because everything has to be glittery. And then it's still queer. Yeah. And it's underwater. I love it. You'll probably get people, like, dressed up like the fish man from Shape of Water. I guess so. Like, I feel like you would. You could, potentially. That seems like 
next level. These are gays we're talking about. Yeah, you're right. We're all extra. Yeah, everyone wants to be the center of the gay. Exactly, everyone does. Which also, by the way, I think I've come up with another motto for this. Another motto? Another motto is just strangers and sweeties. Just like that kind of idea. Isn't that sweet? That's really good. Because like it, you know, communicates the thing of like, hey, you can like meet new people and like kiss them on the dance floor or you can bring your sweeties I just want to say sweetie is such a good term that I feel like I haven't used ever until this episode really good it's a sweet term yeah and I thought you were going to say center of the gay as a motto also that also center of the gay the gay center oh is that just our tagline the gay center I don't know I don't think it is it's just like a call line like hi we're just calling you to let you (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) It's like people who work at like hotlines and they're trying to sell people, but they're just like, hi, hello. (laughs) I just like to remind you. Wait. They're gay people. (laughs) We're out here. (laughs) Two things. Yeah. First of all, you said they're out here trying to sell people. No. You didn't say sell oh. people things. Oh, sorry. Are you meaning that they like no. sell the services oh, yes. of people y- y- to oh, come oh. do things? I just meant telemarketers. I'm familiar with the concept. Of, I'm glad. <laughs> I was one at one point. I didn't oh. tell you about that. Mm. I used to work as a, a really weird type of telemarketer because I collected donations, but I collected donations for my university, oh, I which almost- is awful yeah which is terrible i almost did that job i did that job for a semester to give you an idea of what it's like you got bonuses if you made it to the end there were people who quit with three weeks to go like that was how stressful it was like there were days where you would walk in and just be like i don't know if i can do this i genuinely don't know if i can do this today that was my first semester at university that sounds really disheartening it was extremely disheartening then by your final year you understand the people on the other side of the phone like why are you still talking to me i just want to be done with you no but you do because they literally say you're supposed to ask three times like no one actually asks that many times but you're supposed to i met really good people working that job but it was hell it was absolute hell telemarketers that's hard so we'll have a telemarketing company no we won't (laughs) all it is you don't have to sell anything you just call people up and you're like hi there's a little extra gay in your life now you're welcome and then you just hang up I mean, I think we could get a gay robot to do that. I think we could get any robot to do that. Yeah, but like, to make it authentic, we need a gay robot. Okay. (laughs) Find a robot that meets the criteria. (laughs) Exactly. Does robot loving robot count? Okay, so now the thing is called gay, queer, whatever, or robot loving robot. Uh, robots are invited to our dance party, of They course. are. First of all, robots are generally included, but we could also just have, like, a sci-fi Ooh. thing. Which, one of the things I've been craving recently is really colorful, bright sci-fi. Ooh, I like that. You know how, like, Star Wars is good? Yeah. But not, like, actually good. I mean, I I was hesitant on that because for some reason the first thing that came to my mind was episode one. Yeah, so this is the thing about Star Wars. I was talking on Twitter with a friend about this. How Star Wars is not good because it's good, it's good because it's Star Wars-y. First of all, Star Wars Star Trek is not a comparison. Are we talking about how it's Star Wars-y in the context of when it came out or, like, now? The fact that now you can say something is very Star Wars. 
So the thing that I find about Star Wars that, like, I really like, I mean, I've liked Star Wars since I was, like, a young child, but mm-hmm. the reason why I really like it is because it is bright and it is, like, aesthetically interesting, mm-hmm. right? In a way that a lot of other sci-fi that's, like, trying to be grimdark or just trying to be, like, deep is not DC Universe. That's actually another good comparison is, like, Thor Ragnarok right. versus literally anything that DC has done. Thor Ragnarok was one of my favorite Marvel movies. It's, it's like... Like one of the top three for me like easily because it is just it's very light not just aesthetically but very like emotionally as well this is why i don't like the comparison of star wars to star trek because they are good for two very different reasons and because i think that a series could have both of those things star trek is good because it is so analytical and thoughtful at least for its time whereas star wars is good because it is aesthetically excellent i didn't like the last jedi that much but there's scenes in that movie that i'm like these are some of the best like scenes I've seen in a sci-fi movie ever mm-hmm. and I want more of that I want more of the Thor Ragnarok Star Wars type of sci-fi where we just don't be super serious and grimdark you know like you can still analyze stuff and be deep like you do in like Star Trek or in a lot of sci-fi novels I was gonna ask it's not just movies that you want because I was thinking like one of the books I'm reading at the moment is a sci-fi book that Mm -hmm. I got really invested in because it's always from the point of people. It's always Mm -hmm. first person from different perspectives throughout the galaxy. And it's always these diverse, like, lovely people. And maybe they're not always, like, in the best situations, but it seems like the overarching theme is, like, this is slice of life in space, and there's a lot of queerness, and I'm into that. And it just feels light and happy and sci-fi, and I want more of that. One of my favorite series growing up was Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Those books are so good. They have like been a formative influence on the way that I write a lot of the time. I don't write stuff that is quite as like comedic, but it's very over the top and it's very clever. It's that very clever funny. It's not always the lightest. I've only know. read the first one. So there were five. Yeah. And then there was a sixth one. The five so there were written- six. No, because the five are written by Douglas Adams and six was written by someone else. So this is actually related. The fifth one is really dark and sad um, because Douglas Adams was going through a really deep depression. He wanted to write a sixth one when he came came out of that to like, you know, bring it back to what it was. But he passed away before he could write it. So the dude who wrote Artemis Fowl like came in and basically said, okay, I already sixth one. The sixth one's good. It's not like as good as Douglas Adams, but it is a like more satisfying conclusion than the fifth one which is just so sad the main character like loses everything that he had oh which is kind of just how hitchhikers goes but but in a way that was like the fourth one is a really high note and then the fifth one is just like drops you on your ass yeah like they introduce a really cool character and hitchhikers guide to the galaxy spoilers she like just dies off screen between books Oh my goodness. You end the fourth book and she and the main character are like happy together and they're really interesting characters and you start the fifth book and she's just gone. Oh, that's so disappointing. It is. And the thing that I appreciate about Douglas Adams was being like, yeah, I wrote that when I was in a dark place and I want to write something else to like bring it back to what makes Hitchhikers good. Which is to me what should make a lot of sci-fi good is this sort of like campy, cool, oh yeah, we're in space or not even just in space, right? But like space is cool. Yeah, my favorite thing about, like, sci-fi is just the imagination that goes into, like, thinking about what could be and not sort of the dark side of everything. Sort of one of my favorite 
sci-fi things is, oh, we solved illness. We just solved illness. Illness is no longer a thing. Or like one of the civilizations in the book I'm reading, their motto is everyone gets a home and everyone gets food. And it is like, it's an idealist thing, but I love it. And Mm -hmm. we see it in a society and it's not in every society in this book. So like when others come to this place, they're like, oh my God, this is a real thing that can happen. Sort of like, you know, the reader is supposed to feel. Yeah, that is, that is a lot of sci-fi that I like too. I mean, the thing that I talk about all the time in my (laughs) life is Friends at the Table, which is a really good podcast that you should listen to when you're not listening to this. Between weeks, you should go listen to that one they're finishing up a season called twilight mirage where the concept for the season is like this is a sci-fi utopia with like god robots and stuff god robots yeah that's cool they're called divines they're very cool okay yeah but it's a utopia it is a utopia in which things are good generally and it is a utopian decline but it is very much like over the top bright cool simultaneously like this very dramatic thing while also talking about like what does utopia look like Mm -hmm. which to me is exactly what sci-fi should be in my opinion right there's there's room for more grimdark sci-fi but i don't need to see tom cruise fight stuff on space again anytime soon i don't even know if he's done a space movie but it feels like he has one of my favorite sort of sci-fi concepts i don't know if this counts as sci-fi or fantasy is post post apocalyptic adventure time is a great example of this yeah especially with like the happiness i mean adventure time came out a while back now sort of like in the middle of the grim dark height and i think adventure time was sort of this weird outlier and you don't know it at first spoilers i guess this takes place in the future but it's so happy but sometimes it gets sad but it's all about dealing with that and it's all about like it's also very pretty and bringing it back to like aesthetic like i'm all about the aesthetic of an animation specifically i'm 100 with you i love the idea of post post apocalyptic i know you watch a lot of anime i do <laughs> you've outed me i i have <laughs> outed you i don't really watch a lot of it not because i think that it's bad or anything i just i just haven't gotten into it do you think that there is like anime that does this because i know that there's a a lot of very dramatic over the top like sci-fi anime one of the biggest genres in anime is big machines i'm forgetting what they're called but they are often in space and it's often like all these giant robots that are flying around in space because like they could destroy cities very easily Mm -hmm. so you have to sort of set the scene and whatnot but like from this this is a very old genre so from this there's like a lot of diversity within that genre so there is definitely the very happy versions of these and there's of course the very grimdark very sad versions of these as well and one of my favorite things within anime and sci-fi anime is the overlapping of anime styles and not just aesthetically but one of my favorite I guess sci-fi is one that I'm watching. It's a slice of life, but it includes a psychic. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, so it's not like this big fighting oh, anime that where, where you expect okay. this all-powerful psychic person is like, you know, normally they'd set this up and then like they'd go into like, you have to save the world. No, it's just slice of life. This is just a teenager. He just wants to be ignored. And I love this. This is great. This is a subversion and I love subversive like media. I also love subversive media, especially when it is bright and colorful and cool. Like yeah. the show that I know because I've seen you yeah. watching it. I think slice of life sci-fi is of thing that should be explored more because it has a lot of really cool potential like i like when it's not about saving the world i like when it's a little bit more like i think it's great just to have sci-fi beach episodes i want to see what a beach episode is like on an alien planet 
I want to see like the like memes and jokes of a society. Like, you, just you know, clarify what a beach episode is. So the beach episode is a tried and true tradition. Is it, does it come from anime or does it come from I have no else? idea where I don't it know. comes from. Beach episode is usually it's especially in things that are really high stakes. Sometimes you just have an episode where stuff is not high stakes. It's character driven instead of plot driven. Yeah, it's and it's often on a beach. Hence beach yeah. episodes. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. It's just this idea of like having an episode of something where the biggest conflict of the day is what is going to happen between these two characters, right? It's fun. People play games. It is like a good time. And there's always something because it's an episode of a show and therefore there's some sort of conflict. But the conflict will be like, there's these bullies on the beach and we need to like, you know. One character isn't very good at swimming and needs saving. (laughs) Exactly. There is some sort of conflict that is so like hilariously low stakes. And I think that that is something that should happen more, especially in really intense stuff. It's sort of the juxtaposition of like, well, this is still a problem, but relative to what they're used to. Yeah, it's like usually we have to save this city. But this episode, we're dealing with these people who kick down sandcastles. That's like a cute concept. It's cute in the sense of, that's kind of sad. I mean, I'm all about having the soft and the funny in with the sad. That's why we have a comedy podcast. (laughs) Yeah, I want some sci-fi beach episodes. Yeah, okay. Just some more light sci-fi. Also bright. Like, like literally bright. Like high color hues? I don't... I want some neon. Give neon. Me, Ooh, give me neon. neon. Wow. Like, neon, I think, has been relegated to, like, a nostalgia thing, which nostalgia is often the sign of where we're going to go next. And so I think that there is much more potential for neon and sci-fi, at least neon colors, that is not explored. Right? Like, you know what I mean. Thor Ragnarok is super bright and neon, especially on the, you know, Sakaar and all that, is a super bright and shiny and, you know, glittery planet. And when did we stop having spaceships where there's just random lights on them? Because that shit's so cool. One of my favorite things about lighthearted media is lighthearted games as well. And so my next craving, one of my favorite lighthearted games ever is Stardew Valley. Oh, Stardew Valley. Yes, it is farming simulator game, essentially, (laughs) which makes it sound really boring and tedious if you've never played it. But Harvest Moon was sort of the concept it was built off of. And essentially, the creator looked at Harvest Moon and went, this is okay, but I'm gonna make it better. So Stardew Valley is essentially better Harvest Moon. (laughs) But one of my favorite things about it is the music. One of the first themes you ever hear changed dramatically is the summer theme, and I'm gonna play that for you right now. Please do. This is one I of the love it so much. This is one of the first big dramatic music changes in the game and music is super important to me. Yeah. The seasons change throughout Stardew Valley as they do on any good also life. planet. Yes, any good life, any, <laughs> any good, good planet. planet. <laughs> 
any life-sustaining <laughs> planet. I would like to just pause quickly to consider the concept of bad planets that don't have seasons. Well, like delinquent have... planets. Well, oh, <laughs> having no seasons on a planet would make it very stagnant and that'd be really bad for life to grow. Counterpoint, California. Oh. <laughs> I mean, like, places near the equator barely have seasons. You know Earth still has seasons regardless. It's... Yeah, but there's... a it's less right at the top of the poles and in the middle of the earth seasons affect earth everywhere even the places that don't appear to have seasons so stardew valley you start off in spring on a new file and this what i've just played is the summer theme and so this is the first dramatic change of season Mm -hmm. and you wake up and you've had the same music the whole time and then this plays and you just you know it is summer you are ready for summer it is warm sometimes petals fly on the screen in summer it is one of my favorite, most relaxing games because you can just do whatever you want. And the summer day, you just do whatever you want on your summer day. Now, the first year, that's usually growing crops because you need money because you are a farmer with no money. But on your second summer's come, all the villagers are outside. They go to the beach. Well, not all of them. They're all set in their timetables. But there's like a character selling ice cream. It just, it feels good. It's a very happy, positive game that makes you feel like you are welcome. This is so sweet. I love this. And also, Stardew Valley, you can be gay in too. Yes. This is important also to note. Like, I I love the summer music that is adorable and super bright and i love it so much but also i think it's important to mention that the other reason why it's better than harvest moon right it is it is very queer and so essentially there's this set of characters that are marryable or romanceable every character in the game has 10 hearts and if the character is romanceable only eight hearts are available to unlock until you've sort of ask them to date you. And then you can like romance people and also just be friendly. You just gain hearts. And as you gain hearts, there are cutscenes with each person and you learn who this person is. So there's just a set of people that are romanceable and any character can romance them. So it doesn't matter if you start the game as a girl or a guy, you can romance any of the romanceable characters. So one of my favorite descriptions of Stardew Valley is it's just town in the middle of nowhere where everyone's bisexual. I love this so much. See, this is what we need more of. Yeah, exactly. My favorite part is in terms of game design, it is much easier to code this too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, you 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 know more about that than I do, but I know yeah. enough to know that it is easier to just have it be a baseline thing versus add restrictions. Yeah. yeah. So I like own Stardew Valley, I think, on okay. like Steam, but I've never really played it just because like farming sims aren't super my thing, or at least they haven't been in the past. So like on the gameplay level, because the aesthetics seem great, everything about it that I've heard is really good, but on a gameplay level, what can you tell me to convince me to actually play the copy that I have of Stardew Valley? So what is it about farming sims that turn you off? I think I just get tired of them. It's the same reason. It's the repetitiveness. It's the reason why there's always a limit on how long I will play Minecraft for before I give up that server or whatever. I don't know if Stardew Valley is necessarily the game for you then. I think one of my favorite things about Stardew Valley is the first couple of years in it, because with seasons you have years. And so like you have your first and your second year, which are usually the hardest. 
because you have to get set up as a farmer. And one of my favorite things about it is you can specialize how you're going to farm. There's different professions. There's vegetables and fruit. You can grow those. You can have animals on your farm. You can go mining and like collect ores and whatnot to sell those. You can go fishing. You can have a fish farm and you can just find your niche and you do it. And that is my favorite thing about Stardew Valley is you're just, you're finding what you enjoy and you're doing that. I super like to do all of the things. Mm. I really like to brew juices and wines. That's my farm. (laughs) So what I do is I grow all my crops and then I put them in like a crop box and then I have my juicers essentially. And over time, I just put the crops in there and then I get continuous money instead of selling my crops immediately And so they sell for more. Wine of something sells for, I think it's three times or 2.5 times more than the item itself. It is a game where like my very mathy sort of intent of like figuring out the best thing to do sort of comes into play when I play it. And I really like to think about what is the optimal way to do this, which isn't a way that everyone plays it. And I feel like it's very unique way that I play it, but I really like to think about what is the most money I can get back. And then now I'm in my like second year on my second file. I have two files, one on Steam on the computer, and then it came out on the Nintendo Switch, which I had to get right at because <laughs> having it mobile is one of the best things that has ever mm. happened to me. I can just play Stardew on the bus, just tend to my crops. Tender Croppus and the young son. That's a cheeky little Chaucer reference. Anyway. Cool. <laughs> the, the Tender Croppus and the young son. That's Middle English. I, I don't think there's Middle English in Stardew Valley, but what I do think is in Stardew Valley is my type of game, actually. Really? Yeah, because I know you just, you literally just said it Maybe might not be for you. So what is it about what I said that enticed you? Well, there's two things. The first is I also like the optimal routes for things. I really, I'm with you on that. We are the same in that way of liking the optimal ways of doing things. You know, we, we have different ideas of optimal sometimes, right. but but we both like that. That's a great thing about Stardew Valley is yeah. there's many optimal paths. Oh man, that's my shit. The other thing that has convinced me is you just told me that you can have a wine vineyard <laughs> and I'm interested instantly because I love wine. Yeah. The thing is you can have anything wine. I think I made yeah. pumpkin wine one year and that's so cool. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't played a lot of farming games, but a thing that I really like about these sorts of just sim games or even just like anything to do with like civilization building games or farming games because to me those are linked in some sort of way, is the way that they distill actual realities of doing things into games. I think it is really cool to see how you represent the process that is making a certain type of food in a game. Or, on the civilization building side, the thing that is a complex political diplomacy within game mechanics. I think that is a really cool thing about video games. Well, one of my favorite things about Stardew Valley is, by the time this episode is released, multiplayer will be out. Not on consoles, but on PC. Multiplayer Mm. will be out. And you can have up to four farmers on one farm. Hey, Claire. (laughs) Do you want to play Stardew Valley? I kind of want to play Stardew Valley. We can play Stardew Valley. We can get you a farmer. We can find your optimal path. Oh, please. Let's play with uh, our other friends who play Stardew Valley. Yeah. Have a great time making a farm. So one of the things that I am kind of craving is similar, actually. So E3 was a couple of weeks. And one of the things that got announced for E3, which I'm excited about, is Fallout 76. Wow, they skipped a lot. Yeah, 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 they went straight from 4 to 76. (laughs) 
I've never actually played the Fallout games before. I own Fallout 3, and I think I made it about 30 minutes in before I was like, this is not my kind of game. Bethesda games are not usually my type of thing, but I am like the person who is going to have a lot of fun because it's MMO type thing, but not... I said MMO? So the conceit about Fallout 76 that is different from other games is there are no NPCs. You play with other actual people. That's a big change. That is a big change. Well, yeah, that's the concept is like, it's a Vault 76, which was the first Vault released. So it's just anyone who was in that Vault is the idea. And and there's ways to play just generally on the internet, but I don't love that. I've talked before about how like I play a couple of like massively multiplayer things and that's kind of enough for me. What I'm more excited about is playing it with friends because you can also have like controlled servers. Oh, like Minecraft. Like Minecraft. Exactly. I have friends who I play Minecraft with sometimes. Our server is kind of dead for a bit, but it's fine. The thing that is really exciting about Fallout 76 is getting to do that again. Having um, a server. Yeah. Really the thing that I'm craving here is playing games with my groups of friends. Aww. Like with just big groups of people and all being on one server together. I love that experience. You know, just all of you being linked on a thing and like noticing when someone comes on and does something new. It has always been the biggest draw for me about like what Minecraft was and is for me, but also like is a really big draw of Fallout 76, which is why I'm excited for this game despite the fact that I don't really give a shit about Fallout. So the craving is playing video games with your friends. It is playing video games with my friends, but less in the way of like, oh yes, me and you playing video games together, right. which we, you know, have done. Just more generally, like, can you imagine if we just had a, like, server on just any game that we enjoy with just all of our friends? That would be wild and great. And like, especially if people are on it consistently and like getting on and getting off and all that. The kind of community there is really fun because it's like the appeal of playing games in a massive multiplayer but it's with people that you like because let's face it a lot of the time in mmos you are playing games with people you don't necessarily love just sort of like people you found online so that is an appeal for me about this upcoming game and it doesn't necessarily have to be this game because it's similar in that you can build farms and stuff also there's in cryptids there's farms apparently like you can build like areas like bases and stuff and have farms in that okay. is my understanding and also there's cryptids which is always great. Like, no one will actually catch them. People will just see them. No, you, like, fight the cryptids. Oh. The concept is, like, it's West Virginia. It's, like, West Virginia, and there's, like, all sorts of things that are, like, meant to be cryptids that are from that area, but, like, oh. actual because mutations and all that stuff. Which is cool, but that's not the part that I'm really excited for. The part is building bases and shelters, and we already talked about having teams on this. And just the idea of that, of just having like different groups of of your your larger group you know you have allies and you're like kind of enemies with one another and then it like ramps up and you kind of do create your own stories at least if you're playing with me that's what you do because i will create my own stories i love playing like villains all types of, of servers you do. but not like actual you know like i'm not actually gonna you're like, just gonna destroy their hard work I mean, there is that option, is the other thing about Fallout 76 is you can nuke other people. Oh. Yeah, which really is kind of the opposite of what Fallout should be about. Everyone get back into the vault. You have to try really hard to, like, actually get the codes to nuke someone. But just the idea that that can be done is pretty funny to me. Uh. I would never actually do it to my friends in a game unless we are at that point. Really, this is kind of just 
RPGs. Like, this is kind of just role-playing games. You just always want to mess with your friends. Of course I do. That is, that is Make absolutely... Make their lives harder. Well, not necessarily just that. I like the idea of having, you know, groups of people in communities and stuff. And I think that's fun. That's kind of what I'm craving about Fallout 76 and also in general about games. Like, I would love to have a Stardew Valley game with you and, like, with two other people and just have that. That would be fun. It would yeah. be a different thing, but, you know, even just that, right? I really like the ideas of having casual servers where people just get on right there's no like oh yeah we're gonna game together at this time but you just kind of go into your your group chat and say hey i'm gonna be online if you want to come play or sometimes you don't even do that you just go on you just see? play and there's no goals there's just yeah. i'm gonna play i'm just gonna play and have fun with my friends come join me <laughs> i want to have fun with my friends claire and it's hard to go places so the online world is often better than the real world also because video games are fun is the other thing that i think we're not considering here <laughs> i mean i think i'm considering it well just the, the idea that like oh yeah it's like you know going out is hard so we may as well do it online but mm. also because like playing games with your friends has unique spin to it it's the same reason we play like D D together in my opinion it's because there's a specific fun to that I mean, it is a lot more fun than playing D&D by yourself. Can we just take a minute to consider what D&D by yourself would look like? I mean, there you are just... systems that'll <laughs> let you play by yourself. You're you're right. But no, I mean specifically D&D by like yourself. Like 5th edition. Yeah. All right. I come across a dragon. You are both Girl. the GM and a player. You are both the GM and oh, a player. so sad. Isn't it so sad? Like, that's, um, I think that's just what GMs do when they're planning, though. That's like, just... it, it kind of is. But the idea of this being just, it's not the plan. Planning, it's the fun. This is the fun, is playing the game by yourself. I hate this idea. There are video games that are like that also. That is what a lot of video games are, which is fine. But that's also more collaborative. I have a lot of feelings about collaboration, as it turns out. Within video games or just in general? Just in general. I am writing my thesis in the fall on collaborative storytelling. Oh, well, we'll have to get into that eventually. <laughs> we will. With collaboration, definitely one of my favorite things with the new Stardew multiplayer yes. is you can just have dedicated farms of like, oh, this is me and this person's oh, farm. Oh, that's so yeah. cute. So like, we're sort of like, we both shared like this collaboration that so my desire and my craving, I should say, is specifically Stardew Valley, because yeah. I don't need another person for that. I can just spend 10 days on my farm, which is probably like four hours in the real world if I'm... Yeah. Is Stardew Valley our beach episode? Is that what that's going to be? Stardew Valley is our beach episode? Okay. You know, it's our chill time. We're just hang out. So um... we're going to go to Pride. We're going to find some <laughs> sweeties. And then we're going to come home and we're going to have our beach episode. It's true. Also, sci-fi will be there. There's space. <laughs> Oh, It'll be Claire, a Claire, I've space. had a great idea. Oh no. Okay, it's like Stardew Valley, but it's in space. That's just another video game. That's Starbound, one of my other favorite games that I might I, talk about another time. I've also played Starbound, so. I think we should save it for another time. We I definitely think should. Out of time. Damn, I love all of these cravings, though. This has felt like a very chill episode in my onions. It's the beach episode. If you're interested in finding us on the internet, besides when you you're joining us on video games. Uh, we are also available on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Salt Cravings. Mm. You can follow us for regular updates. It's Brianna, who's in charge, been doing a really good job with Off Mondays. Off Mondays is fun. It's kind of a fun little extra thing that you get because, you know, there's Mondays that we release and then the other Mondays, the Off Monday. So I've been enjoying doing little previews of what our next episodes are going to be. So if you're into the idea of getting a little preview of what we've got coming for you down the Cravings pipe, that's a... <laughs> really weird <laughs> thing that I just said. <laughs> 
the cravings pipe. Oh. That's what we're calling it now. No. But if you want to get a good look at that, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yeah, and if you really want to help us out, one of the best things you can do is just tell a friend about it. Yeah, I know, please. at least personally, I just the other day bumped into someone on the bus and just told them about it. Did it, you? it was someone I knew. Okay. Hadn't talked to in maybe a year, but I told them about it. I've definitely told my coworkers. I've definitely told everyone. <laughs> so we've definitely been obnoxious about this, and we appreciate everyone else who's helped us be obnoxious about this. If you know anyone who you think is into this podcast, which is just kind of chill and and funny and yeah. like a good time. content. Good, We're good, good content. Thank you. And yes, agreed. <laughs> thank you at myself. Thank you at myself. <laughs> also, of course, subscribe to us on iTunes and Google Play if you use those. Or just one if you only use one. Yeah, also that or both. Either way, hope you've enjoyed our, our chill episode. Today. Yeah, down the cravings pipe. Right down oh, that cravings pipe. I'm never going to hear the end of that. I'm going to be you.